And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the Internet now. Oh, sure. Next, you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Terms or restrictions apply. The Athletic. Smith Rowe. And Ketia! The only way to score is, of course, to play uh, with a handbrake off. Hello, I'm Ian Stone. This is Handbrake Off, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic. Saturday was a good day for the Arsenal. Eddie and Ketia got his first hat-trick. Tommy, his first goal for the club. And we smashed Sheffield United 5-0. Um, I should, by the way, at this point, give a shout-out to Max and Riley and their mum, Wendy, who very kindly invited me into the WN Club at the weekend for a bit of uh, rather nice hospitality. <laughs> Amy, you're doing that face. That, ooh, yeah, I get that. It was very nice. Uh, beef Wellington and cheese at halftime. Who doesn't like a bit of halftime cheese? That's what I say. Amy Lawrence and Adrian Clark are with me. Morning. Good morning. Hi, Stoney. Did you have cheese at halftime? I did not have cheese at halftime, and now and you I'm feeling liked slightly envious. You would have liked some as well. It was on the table as we came back. It's very nice. Anyway, we were thinking before we get into talking about the game, Tommy got his first goal. It's so lovely to see the smile on his face. And uh, this uh, suggestion for the opening question from uh, our very own Adrian Clark, uh, who basically said, uh, aside from Tommy Asu, what is your favourite Japanese export or import, I suppose that would be to hear. Um, Adrian, I mean, seeing as you came up with it, you can go first. <laughs> it's sushi. It's sushi because I'd gone through 30, how many years would it have been? About 36 years of existence without having sushi until I met Mrs. Clark, Kate, and um, and one of our first dates was was going out for sushi, and I tried it, and I, I love it. I absolutely love it. The spicy tuna roll, you just can't beat it with a little bit of uh, soy you sauce can't. and wasabi. The only yeah. thing is, it's blooming expensive every time oh. you go out for a Japanese meal. Goodness me! Um, but yeah, it's it's become a thing. I'm I'm well into my sushi, um, but I'm, I've still not quite plucked up enough courage to to order myself. I still rely on uh, on Kate to, to do the ordering but I absolutely love it it's great I'm just wondering in the in the spirit of sliding doors like what would have happened on that first date to the rest of your life if you absolutely couldn't stand it I know well, it wasn't I mean, the first who knows? date it wasn't the oh, first sorry. date it was, okay. it was probably right, right. five or six dates in but it was early on in the courting process but yeah you're right um, that could have been an issue you can't right. do sushi right. on a first date I mean it's just too much it's too high risk isn't it yeah. you know I mean if you give someone raw fish and you they've don't never eat had on a raw first date, do you? You just go, just go drinking, don't you? I mean, well, actually, we're getting rather <laughs> off subject, but comedy is a really good thing for a first date. Honestly, a live stand-up comedy, and the reason is you sit there with your uh, with your your date, and if you laugh at the same things, you have got a chance, right? But if she's laughing like a drain and you're not, then or but or vice versa, then you know straight away. So mm, I would I would recommend words. that uh, mm. certainly above uh, sushi. Also, have you have you ever um, you know people can have very 
off-putting laughs. You go for a blind date or whatever, and it's all quite promising potentially. And then, you know, also people have comedy voices. You know, someone can start talking, and you think, <laughs> "Oh dear." But a com- but a, there's a fantastic clip. I'll try and find it and see if I can link it somewhere. Um, of a sort of talk show in France where oh, they got a bunch it, yeah. of people on who yeah. all had absurd laughs. Yeah, and they kind of in that's you know, way that laughter can be very infectious. They were kind of setting each other off with these remarkable noises that didn't sound like any other laugh you'd ever heard in your life. And of course, it's just hilarious. Well, there, there you go. You see, <laughs> even more reason. Yeah. Take them to top a tips, comedy Top gig. romantic tips from Ian Stone. Loving things you weren't expecting from... Well, I'm just um, saying, if they, if they <laughs> laugh at something you don't find funny and also laugh in the wrong way, you know. Yeah. You know at that point. Um, one more thing, by the way, about sushi. And I'm also saying sushi, by the way, because I absolutely love it. Uh, if you use too much wasabi, that is seen as an insult to the chef. Okay? Uh-huh. So don't do okay. that. Have All you right? ever tried hot sake? <laughs> Oh, What's yes. that? oh yeah, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah! It's absolutely yeah. fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 No, I, I'm I, disappointed. Neither of you, you both got for sushi, and neither of you went for hot sake. To be well, <laughs> sorry, can I just say for anyone who who doesn't have quite as much money as we appear to have, <laughs> uh, I am sorry, but it is very nice, and 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 as a treat, it's a lovely thing. Uh, Amy, what have you gone for? Be- greatest Japanese export import. I mean, on the phone before you said Inamoto. I thought that was hilarious, <laughs> but I don't think you mean that, do you? No, I'm not going to go for Inamoto, but is it, you know, he was a sweet fellow and it was a shame it didn't quite come off for him. I thought we had to mention JVC. Mm. It's, uh, JVC and Arsenal, the perfect match, as the adverts used to go. Well, it's Arsenal's first sponsor. And um, they were, uh, I don't even know if it's still going, but they were a very well-renowned producer of videos. Um, which was the, what, what a big yeah. chunky thing that was a bit like a brick that used to record things off the telly from the three channels we had once upon a time. True. Uh, or if you were really lucky, you got an illicit film. Don't stop it with the dirty mind. I mean, things like E.T. <laughs> uh, two weeks before it comes out or whatever. I remember going around a friend's house and they had E.T. On, on video before it came out in cinema. It was just unbelievably exciting. <laughs> They're still around, Amy. Yeah, still Are around. They, they good, make good, good. TVs and headphones. That's, there you that's go. their thing now. All right. Well, anyway, I'm not actually going to choose JVC. I just thought I'd mention them in the oh, uh, right. Arsenal connection. I'm going to go for Ryuichi Sakamoto, who is, uh, was one of my all-time favourite musical heroes and a, 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 a really kind of original that was quite a groundbreaking guy in the Goodbye, world of music. Goodbye, Mr. Lawrence. Farewell, Mr. Lawrence. Uh, uh, Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence. One of them. I knew that Mr. Lawrence was involved in some no, way. No yeah. relation, but sadly. <laughs> anyway, we talked about that because Tommy got his first goal for the club this weekend. It was Arsenal 5, Sheffield United nil. He didn't start, Tommy. Starting lineup was uh, David Raya, Zinni, Kivior, Saliba and White, Havertz, Rice and Emil Smith-Rowe. Gabriel Martinelli, Eddie Nketiah and Bukayo Saka. Five changes from the team that played in the week. One of the things I was going to say, uh, Amy, the team that finished the game, Kibior, Tommy, Vieira, Elneny, Havertz, Nelson, Trossard and Eddie, all on the pitch. That's arguably eight players who wouldn't necessarily start. I mean, we talk about squad depth a lot on this podcast, but that is an indication, isn't it? And Jorginho isn't even there, by the way. Yeah, or, or Jesus, as, you know, on the injury table, or Timber. So, you know, I think everybody is pleased about the depth that Arsenal have but it's one thing having the depth which is clearly improvement on last season but it's another thing using it it's not easy 
And um, I think that some people, as is normal, you know, get a little bit of a frenzy going when teams come out about an hour before the, the start of the match. And anybody who was kind of wary, understandably that there is a reason that people say there's no such thing as an easy Premier League game, but there are some that are easier than others. And I'm pretty sure that Mikel looked at Sheffield United and thought that this was a, a perfect opportunity to be giving minutes and confidence boosters and a bit of game time and sharpness to those who are a bit more peripheral. And it's really helpful for morale and it's really helpful for when you might need these guys. I mean, someone like Kivio, for example, who hasn't featured much or had a lot of minutes, um, you know, was almost flawless. I know he didn't have the toughest game in terms of opposition, but you come off the pitch at the end of that and you should feel very, very pleased with yourself. And it's a good platform for what's coming next. Emile Smith-Rowe, you know, just getting out there, getting a start, being part of it. You know, he's still got a bit of catching up to do in terms of finding his his you know purest rhythm. But it's a good step uh, and an important one. And there will be times in the season when these guys are needed. And Arsenal know full well from the end of last season that it was when guys on the periphery of the squad were needed that things started to get very, very difficult. So the more that you can integrate everybody and have them feeling like one family... You know, if you're playing well and training well, that you're going to have a chance and you're going to get t- get time, then that's just good news for Arsenal. Yeah, and it's, it's how you use them as well. And I think Mikel, that's one of the biggest plus points of the season so far for me is Mikel's use of subs. I think he's improving at it all the time. He's bringing players on at the right moments. Um, he's getting his selections right. Um, and no one scored more goals from substitutes this season than Arsenal. We've got seven goals from subs. Uh, and if you combine goals and assists from substitutes, we're top of the pile as well. We've got 10 goals already this season. Um, and Man United, by the way, have only scored 11 in total. Um, but 10 goals, 10 <laughs> yeah. goals this season uh, have either produced a goal or an assist from a substitute. So, yeah, fantastic. Yes, uh, Martin Odegaard was given a little time off. He's been playing with an injury in recent weeks. Adrian, that actually, I mean, there's been a bit of disquiet on social media, and there always is whenever we don't get the results we want or the performances aren't quite up to much. But when you hear that Martin Odegaard's been playing with an injury, it does make a bit more sense that he wasn't moving quite as freely and playing quite as freely. Yeah, look, you never know what's going on with players. That's that's the thing. You don't know what's going on uh, in their lives, which I think is is something that you, no one would know, would they? But but you you got to take certain things into account, and and one of those is that players do play on with injuries. And uh, especially if you're the captain, you want to get out there and, and be there as often as you can, don't you? So I think Mikel's made the right call there. It's the right time to give him a breather. Maybe he'll, he'll also set out the West Ham game as well. I mean, he can't be that bad because he was on the bench. Uh, but but having a whole week off might just rejuvenate Martin, who, who had looked a bit jaded. I think that tactically we have struggled to get him in the game in the same way that we did last year or, or even earlier on in the season through the middle but but yeah it does make sense that he was that might be one of the reasons why why he's been below par but we want him we want him in Newcastle he, he played very do. well there last year and if he sits out this week he'll come back nice and nice and refreshed hopefully 
One of the other players who got a little bit of stick after the severe game um, in the week was uh, Eddie Nketiah. When he came on, he looked a bit lacklustre. He wasn't chasing down. When Sergio Ramos is running away from you, you know you're not working quite as hard as perhaps you should be. Anyway, it turns out that he was just saving it for Saturday, wasn't he, Amy? I mean, it was so brilliant to see him get a hat-trick. He is the 22nd different hat-trick scorer in the Premier League for Arsenal. Can we... Sorry, can I just say to Jay at this point, but I'm going to keep uh, this... I think we should keep this in the recording. Can we not do Premier League stats? Because football did exist before the Premier League. But <laughs> it is the 22nd different hat-trick scorer in the Premier League. Uh, we have more unique hat-trick scorers than any other team in the competition. And he dedicated his hat-trick to... Uh, uh, to his auntie who recently passed away and said he'd be giving the match ball to his mum. Just, Amy, I want to ask you about Eddie, but before I, I bring you in, uh, Jeff asked on Twitter, he sent this to you, but it's sort of to all of us. Great piece on Eddie, and it was a great piece, uh, Amy, talking about uh, Eddie and Ketia, but as much as I love him, I think we need an upgrade in January and cash in. His shooting accuracy is third lowest to the 13 players in the top 10 for score goals, and it's worse than last year. Uh, and there's a lot of more stuff. Next year, next game will be his 100th appearance. I mean, he will have a record of scoring only once in every five appearances. And I, I should say that I think there is some validity to it because he sent it, uh, and thanks for getting in touch, he sent it after Eddie's hat-trick. What's your view, Amy? I mean, he's Hayland, we all love him, but if we could get an upgrade on him, would it be a good move? Look, I think that's the crux of the Eddie conundrum, really. Of course, coming through from Hayland and the way that he came on this, remember being at the game when he started against Norwich and came off the bench and scored in 15 seconds and then got the winner and the whole crowd was just going, yeah, Eddie, yeah, Eddie. And it was like, a, you know, a messiah had appeared. Obviously, there's there's goodwill there. But I think what's interesting is the stage of Arsenal, where, where the club is now. It would be naive to think that they're not thinking about a striker upgrade alternative, whichever way you want to call it, sooner or later. And that's not just on Eddie. That's on all the centre forward options, I think. And when you consider how uh, there's only so much you can do in any given window, there's only so much you can do with FFP. However, when you look at Declan Rice coming in, and I found myself like, yes, it was only Sheffield United and, you know, so on and so forth. But there are times when I, I, I'm slightly mesmerised by Rice, like he has a, a personality and presence on the pitch and some of the things that he does that are just puts into such sharp focus, I suppose, the years in which midfield was not quite as effective as it maybe could have been. Um, and that's the standard that Arsenal are trying to, when they're making improvements across the pitch, that's what they're doing. That's what they're aiming for now, like serious high-class players. And when you look at the ongoing controversy of, of Raya coming in for Ramsdale, that's because the manager is trying to get percentage increases. Now, you can't do it everywhere. In you know, It's taken several windows and it will take more as the squad continues to evolve. The, I don't think it's as simple as saying offload Eddie and get someone in because I think you need numbers and options and there's all sorts of... It's like a jigsaw puzzle, isn't it? You know, it's not as, as straightforward as... What's wrong one with having three out. strikers anyway? Three exactly. isn't too many, is it? Exactly. Well, they won't um, get games is what's wrong with it, but okay. Well, we just talked about, we just talked about everyone getting a game. I think they would. 
I, 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 I think you've got to kind of put it out there and improve the squad as much as you can and and look at look let's just say you know Gabriel Jesus was out for a blooming long time last season right Party looks like he's missing quite a lot of game time you leave yourself in a position in certain key areas of the pitch where you're one injury or suspension away from really having to experiment or be in a you know in a bit of trouble looking at your third choice in potentially a really difficult game not a Sheffield United at home we're going to Newcastle on on the weekend if something happens to Declan Rice and he tweaks something in 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 uh, in training or, or if he plays at West Ham and something happens and you've got no party and no Declan Rice oh you've suddenly got a proper problem in the in the middle of midfield really for 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 one of the toughest games or Eddie goes to a dry spell or doesn't have a great game. You know, it, you want to have you want to have a, a lot of powerful options in your squad, as many as humanly possible. At, at, you know, if you're at the top level, no. So can I mm-hmm. just to summarize? Your answer really is to keep Eddie and possibly get someone I else in know. as well. I don't know. It depends. And the, uh, the only people who know are Mikel, Edu, Richard Garlic, and and all of those guys in the in the recruitment division who have a bigger picture. And, Adrian, you know, it can be that somebody goes from another position to accommodate another centre-forward or some. you know, it, it, it all depends on how much targets are going to cost, who can be loaned. You know, there's so many different bits to it all. But I think I, overall, I suppose what I'm saying is I absolutely understand the point of view of the person who writes in because it's it's what everybody's been saying and it's fine. He, You know, most people have a bit of a... A, a, a dual feeling about Eddie, which is they love him and they want him to do well, but sometimes they get frustrated. Maybe he's not quite at the level. And he, you know, if you're not playing week in week out, it can be hard to find your rhythm. And he's trying to improve, and he's working hard, and he was bloody brilliant on Saturday. Let's yeah, be honest, yeah. it was an absolutely electric performance with stunning finishing all round, a great centre forward play. But whether that's Somebody that you want to be having or p- playing a part of 30 or 40 games in the season because either they start or they come on as a sub or you think you need something different, that's for Mikel. And I think we all understand that. Adrian, personally, I'd I'd keep him and get an upgrade if, and, and buy someone else uh, who was maybe ahead of him in the queue. Mm. What about you? What was you doing? Same. Do? Yeah, yeah I, I love, I like Ivan Tony. I think he's, he's the profile of, of what we, we could do with, but some, either him or someone like it. But yeah, I think this squad can accommodate another centre forward. It's as simple as that. Strikers, uh, I think, are better in short short bursts. It's such an explosive position that that you can r- rotate a little bit more. I think at centre forward, you can take them, you know, ask them to give you an hour and then make a change and, and give the the other guy thirty. I just think it's one of those positions. There's a lot of clubs actually in in the lower leagues, believe it or not, to cover a lot of that. The EFL, a lot of managers play how carry four strikers and they start to. And after about 60, 65 minutes, they take both off and put another two on. You know, if they can do that, we can do that. Well, we don't play two up front in the well, same way. No, we don't. Way, but no, yes. but well, you, you take my point. And, and I think that having two is just too too risky in terms of injuries and suspension. So, yeah, th- this squad can accommodate one. You, you can have too many options. Going back to Amy, I'd slightly disagree. I don't, I don't think this is what Amy meant. 
I don't think it's good to have a bloated squad, you know, a big, a mm. big, big squad. I think you have to really be careful with the numbers because you've got to keep everyone interested. But um, but yeah, we can afford a, another striker. But but this was a, a masterclass from Eddie. First goal, that touch was amazing. Uh, the third goal was just brilliant. But actually, I thought it was his movement from about half an hour onwards that that changed the game. He, he he didn't do a lot in the first half an hour. He was a bit static. Suddenly, there was a, there was a moment when Martinelli got injured, and I think Mikel started to get get on there and, and get some instructions out. Basically, what we saw from them was much more chaotic, unpredictable movement. But Eddie was the catalyst for it. He was coming short to spin behind to either get it or to create space for Zinni. Um, it was loads of decoy runs that he was making. The corner that he scored from, he made it. Because he went over to Emil Smith Rowe from, from this wide free kick and said, slide me down the side, slide me down the side. He did it. He won the corner. He scored from it. He was really, really bright from, from I'd say, the first goal onwards. So, yeah, well done to him. It was it was an excellent performance. Yeah. And and thanks, Jeff, uh, for the correspondence. But I, I think, yeah, I just want to add my voice to Amy's and Adrian and say how brilliant it was to see him score a hat-trick and get the match ball. And that third goal was just, I mean, there's not that much shooting from 25, 30 yards. But I just love that. Took the first touch from uh, from Emil Smith Rowe, and you just thought he's going to hit one here, and he just <laughs> caught it. So the noise, the noise was great yeah. in the ground, wasn't the it? It was, a, it was a wonderful, wonderful moment. It was I'm a gasp, was wasn't it? It was a collective gasp. It's like, oh! <laughs> I almost dropped my plate of cheese. That's how much I enjoyed that. <laughs> and now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream Direct TV satellite free. You see. A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms and restrictions apply. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. 
Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. We were a bit uh, with the handbrake at time. Ian Stone, Amy Lawrence and Adrian Clark here on the Athletics Arsenal podcast, Handbrake Off. Danny with the near post run, just glances off his head. It's loose, it's in for number five. It's Tommy Esso on his 50th Premier League appearance. He has his first Arsenal goal. Let's talk about Super Tom, Takahiro Tomiyasu. First ever Japanese player to score for Arsenal's men's team with the Gunners now having a goal scorer from 49 different nations. Can you name them? Oh, you don't have to. No, sorry. We, could, we, we could try, but it'd probably be quite no, It would take a while and we'd lose uh, <laughs> listeners by the minute. The reaction, Adrian, the reaction of the players and the staff, Mikel Arteta said, I love him. Everybody loves him. He's one of the most popular in the dressing room. He's always very reserved, always doing things for the rest of the boys. He's a fantastic player for the team. Now, we talked about him a bit on the pod in the last few weeks, how he stepped up and he's very close to the first team now, especially for the big games, um, because defensively, I mean, I think I think we'd agree he's better than Zinni, but he likes popping up all over the place, didn't he? And it was great to see him score in his face when he did. It was wonderful. It was great. Yeah, it was another set piece goal that we've got more than anyone else now. So that was that was excellent. Um, yeah, no, it was the joy on his face and everyone else's, wasn't it? They panned in on the bench, Rice and Saka on their feet. It was, it, yeah, it was a very, very popular goal. And it was funny because on our show, the Breakdown Live, we'd we'd interviewed a couple of Japanese supporters from from Arsenal Japan, and basically this was their trip. They haven't been, I think, since before COVID. So this is a very rare opportunity for the supporters club in Japan to come over and 30 of them had made the trip. So I was absolutely (laughs) buzzing for them. Like, I mean, that, it just, because I'd said, oh, it's disappointing that that he's on the bench, but hopefully he'll come on and, 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 and you get to see him. And of course he didn't just come on, he scored. So it was, yeah, magnificent. Well done him. That is beautiful. No, I've just been so impressed with his, uh, his spirit, really, because, you know, didn't have an easy t- easy season last season. Having come in and uh, settled really well and been part of that back four, that sort of first phase of the development of the back four uh, under Arteta, and probably thought that he was going to be the right back going into the new season and carry on where he left off. Suddenly he was out of the team. Uh, he had injuries. It, he came back in and didn't have the easiest time when we were under pressure in some of those games towards the end of the season. And I think perhaps lost a little bit of confidence, but I love the way that he knuckled down and took on the challenge of saying, I'm going to just be the best professional that I can. I'm going to adapt as much as I can. I'm going to improve as much as I can. going to get as fit as I can. And he is someone that, you know, right now, you kind of want on the team. And it's one of those things as well where it's the kind of capricious nature of football that if Timber had been fit and not got that terrible injury, you wonder how much that would have impacted on Tommy Asu's opportunities. And in Timber's absence, he is kind of making a, a, a very credible play to being first choice left back. 
I mean, what's interesting? I mean, Adrian, how many players have you known? How many players did you play with who could play in all four defensive <laughs> positions? There's not yeah. many. No, no, it's more these days. That's for sure. I think that I think the academy system as well is great. Do you think about Saka? He started off as a left back. Now he's one of the best right wingers in the world. You know, I don't know. I just think that at the academy level, they do they do produce quite rounded footballs these days. Obviously, all over Too the world. Freud. In Tommy's case, yeah. No, he's 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 just he's an intelligent great. footballer. And and you just talked about sort of it, or we talked about his niceness and how good he is to have around. Um, that is kind of a hallmark of Mikel, isn't it? I think he loves to keep players. Involved like Mo Elneny, we saw him come on, got a little assist, didn't he? Um, Rob Holding was very loyal to him. I think that that if you're a good person and a good pro, you've always got a chance with Mikel as long as as long as you're good enough. Talking about another player who uh, doesn't get a lot of minutes but played really well at the weekend, uh, Jakub Kirior. I was going to ask you, Amy, about his passing out of defence because sometimes when you get centre-halves and they pass out and it's just really a, 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 a diagonal pass forward but not... In not too much intent on it, if you know what I mean. There are about three or four passes from Jakub Kirill at the weekend over to Trossard and to Zinni that were pinged and they were ahead of the player and he end up then Trossard or Zinni then run onto it and they are attacking and there was something... I really liked those passes. He's He's got a sweet left foot, yes. He's a smooth footballer, it looks like. And uh, you can see why... Arsenal tried to get him when they did because they thought we've got to get him soon or he might he might miss that one. And this is someone we think is going to be really important going forward. But he needed some adaptation time. I mean, you know, I sometimes think we do underrate coming to a new league, a new country. I don't think Kivio spoke hardly any English. That's quite unusual. These days, most players who come in from wherever have a little bit of something just because of the way that you know, the way the world has globalised. And I don't think he had a shred of English. So settling in was, was a little bit tricky for him. But, uh, and he's quite a quiet lad, but he's got masses of potential to to be a, a, an important player for us. And when you think about the way the team have been playing quite a lot this year, you know, there is that, you sense it's an interesting moment in the game in the first half where there was almost a bit of friction, I felt, between... What Mikel wants or is asking the players for and what the crowd want. And there's a little bit of irritation or frustration with, you know, this quite slow tempo moving the ball around the back. And that thing that Raya was doing the other day about where he he puts his foot on the ball and kind of waits for the pass. I noticed that some of the defenders were doing that as well. And it was this very sort of slightly laboured, you know, crab-like passing around the back, waiting for the right opportunity to spring. And it's quite clearly what Mikel is asking them to do. But from the crowd's point of view, they want a bit more urgency and dynamism and, you know, come on. So it's, it's interesting because I think pe- people have maybe got to try and adapt to, to watching that as well. But when you've got, like anything in life, the best thing is to have alternatives if opposition are, are dealing with that or prepared for that, and then suddenly you've got someone like Kivior who's pinging a vertical pass straight up the pitch. Hello, you know, we're doing something different. It's 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 changing it up. So variety is really, you know, I think 
a, a, a brilliant way of playing football because you need to be able to, if you, if you lull the opposition into being kind of comfortable in a certain style and then suddenly you go at them in a different way, that's where you start to create a bit of chaos. And Adrian, that that thing that Amy's talking about, um, I mean, we'd had total control in that game mm. and that's what we're aiming for. I mean, I, I watched the Man City-Man United game yesterday and Man City were just a thousand times better than United and they had complete control over United. We want to aim to be able to do what we did to Sheffield United to the uh, to the bigger teams, don't we really? Yeah, of course we do. Yeah, and we're getting there, definitely. I think we are, we are improving our game control and management, etc. I mean, you just got to look at, uh, very quickly, pa- on passing, Saliba, 127 passes. <laughs> I mean, I think he misplaced four. Incredible from him again. But yeah, the, in terms of the control, just look at what Sheffield United produced. Um, 0.03 expected goals, which is, to all intents and purposes, zero. There was one block shot that no one can remember and an effort from the halfway line that nearly hit the corner flag on 21 minutes. And that is it. That was it. So Premier League players aren't bad players. (laughs) These are at the highest level in the the strongest league in the world. And we gave them zilch. (laughs) So, you know, that's pretty good. Adrian, Mm. can I ask you something? If Sheffield United, like, you know, you look at those stats and think, Essentially, well, they were really, really poor. I, I don't know if this is a mad question, but should Arsenal have done more? Like, should they have won by more than 5 0? Should they have been. Is that a silly question? Uh, no, no, it's not a silly question, but five is enough, isn't it? I know, Newcastle I know, got just... eight or nine against them the other week, didn't they? But Fodringham made two very good saves, didn't he? One from Martinelli and one from Ben White. They really leathered the ball. So it could have been seven. I mean, it, we didn't start until we scored that first goal, remember? Second gear for most mm. of the game. And we got big games coming up. Yeah. Five five is decent for goal difference, first isn't it? First 28 minutes, we had one shot. I'm not shot complaining, I'm just curious. Yeah, yeah so, no, I, I don't know. I maybe. think it's... I, I just think... It's more, I would look at that stat more and just praise how we kept them away from our box rather than thinking we should have had 10. I, I just think that's the better way to look at it. But but yeah, it's it's all good. It was, it was a comfy day, wasn't it? Bukayo Saka was captain. Uh, we had some correspondence on Bukayo as well from Rob Payton, in Los Angeles. Uh, watching Bukayo go get Eddie's hat-trick ball from the net and present it to him with a billion watt smile is actually what he said is everything you need to know about Bukayo it was a lovely moment it's that Halen thing uh, again isn't it Amy um, I mean it's great for Bukayo to be captain but then to hand the the, uh, the ball and then also the captain's armband later on uh, to Eddie and Ketia it does give you a nice glow doesn't it because they're homegrown yeah it was lovely I mean you, frankly if they weren't doing that you'd probably think something's a bit wrong I think if you've if you've come through for years with, with someone and they're your mate you know if you're not happy for them at a time like that I'd be a little yeah. bit worried nice moment but nice yeah it's, moment. it's genuine and it's heartfelt and it's affectionate and it's what you want I mean I, I think it's probably harder I wouldn't say impossible but it's definitely harder to be successful when you've got people who don't like each other very much in a team and I think it's easier if you've got people who get on. And I think overall in the squad, most of them get on pretty well. Obviously, you can romanticise it and imagine a dressing room where everybody's best buddies and they love each other. And that's not realistic in the same way that it's probably not realistic that it's carnage and everyone can't stand the sight of one another. But I think, you know, you definitely want to be on this side of the line 
as close as possible to that kind of happy family atmosphere. And I think they've done well to create a really bonded dressing room as best they can. The only thing I would say, it was lovely to see Eddie get his moment with the armband, but let's be serious. And it's got to be Declan pretty soon who's picking that up when it's uh, going spare. He'll get it eventually. I'm going to make you jealous yeah. now, right? I'm going to make you really jealous. I was at the training ground the other day, did an interview with Trossard. Saka's sort of hanging around. He's got a ball that he's taken off the table. It's one of those balls that they're all signing. So he's just nicked it. And what's he do? He, he sort of, he look, he, he looks over and he, I don't know. He, he looked to me, he said hello and sort of gave me a little bit of a handshake as if like he, he, he knew me. I don't know if he does or not. But anyway, next thing he does, puts the, puts the ball on the deck, starts fizzing some passes at me. So I'm having a little <laughs> bit of a kick around with Bakayo Saka. Uh, and, uh, you know, I... Pressure! I, no, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But I, I, I know I played for Arsenal all those years ago, but I'm quite excited by this. Uh, so, so, so that was great. And then a few of the other lads come over. Is it Reese Nelson comes over? Trossard's there. I think it was Eddie. Uh, Bakayo then goes off and does something. Next thing you know... They flicked the ball up. Reese Nelson's flicked the ball up. We're playing. We're playing two touch. Keep keep the uppies. So now that was pressure, Amy. <laughs> okay. oh, oh, How'd you get on? Did you do it all right? Didn't drop Did it. it. Right? Didn't drop it. So nice. And 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 I even got. And I think this was a, a compliment from Reese. He goes, Yeah, yeah. He said, You still play a bit of five aside, don't you? I was like. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I said, I can't run, fantastic. but I can do keepy uppies, Reese. So, um, yeah, it's all good. Uh, so, yeah, that was fantastic. Nice. It's yeah. a, it, and as you say, nice atmosphere. By the way, also, um, Eddie could have uh, scored, uh, could have had a go at a fourth goal uh, if he'd scored the penalty, uh, joining just uh, Thierry Henry and Andre Oshavin, uh, I believe, as Arsenal players have got four goals. Oh, what, what have I missed? You've just been complaining about the Premier League stats. Yeah, I, that was, sorry, I did that. And then Do I you thought, remember Anders have... Limpar giving four goals, four assists to Ian Wright, who scored all four against Everton? I, I do now. Back in the day when football didn't exist. I do now. And of course, I, I believe Ted Drake got five back in the 30s. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I did. Did he exactly get seven? He might have got seven. It was quite a few. Anyway, he decided to forego uh, joining... Those greats. Uh, he gave the uh, penalty to Fabio uh, Vieira, who put it away. Got a lot of penalty takers as well. It does all go well for penalty shootouts if they're on the pitch. Um, anyway, one other thing, by the way. Um, Robert Perez was 50 yesterday. There was a lot of nice stuff. Mais on non, c'est pas possible. <laughs> he still looks, he's still 25. He still looks very good, actually. It is uh, striking how well he's looked after himself. Uh, any brief memories of uh, Perez? Brief? Uh, how yeah. long you got? <laughs> I know. That's why I said it, Amy. I tell you what, why don't, why don't you give us one? Can you give us one brief Perez God. moment? I mean, do you want the chip against Southampton? Do you, I don't know. I mean, what do you want? Any time he was playing, it was lovely to watch. But Oh, he was a stunning footballer. Um, Look, he... he he scored a lot of goals against Tottenham. And actually, when you, I remember talking to him about it once and uh, he just rattled off the figure straight away, like X goals in X games. It's something he's particularly proud of. <laughs> so... Um, You're going to have those Tottenham goals before okay, you think of other in things. In general, but I would say, I would say the, the Liverpool away when he scores an in, absolutely incredible knob 
um, and ran into the away end in, I think it was the 02 season. It was a really important game en route to winning the title. He was player of the year that year. That was when he did his uh, cruciate and unfortunately, I think he had to go on and miss the World Cup for France. But he was really probably at his peak of his powers. Um, and a generous, clever, ever smiling, just... You would be so happy to have Robert Pires on your team and in the dressing room. I remember Arsene saying, I think his phrase was something like, just give Robert the ball and he's happy. Lovely, lo- lovely footballer. Adrian, uh, any particular memories? Yeah, uh, I lo- he is one of my favourites, I've got to say. Yeah, just incredibly smooth, wasn't he? Um, the way he travelled with the ball at his feet, loved it. Yeah, that, that goal at Anford stood stood out. There's one at, at White Hart Lane where he sort of just stroked a curler in from about 25 yards, one touch that was quality. But yeah, he just, oh, just play, he played in a brilliant team, but he, he elevated that team himself, didn't he? I think without, yeah, without Robert Perez, that, that great team that he was involved in wouldn't have been as great, you know, by, by, by quite a bit. So, um, yeah, top Wonderful. player. Yeah. Uh, and a very nice guy as well. Not don't, wouldn't claim to Super know nice him, but, but, but he is really friendly. Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah, listen, I think I he was that... voted, sorry, just to sorry, interrupt, I believe gone. quite a few times in a row, he was voted friendliest footballer by the French press. Like he's... <laughs> I they had that award. Yeah, on, honestly, it was like, you know, the person who's the, the best to deal with for the media. And it was, it was quite often him. He is extremely nice. I know, by the way, there are people shouting at us right now going, Villa away, mm-hmm. Villa away. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I saw that girl take a bow, son, and all that. Absolutely <laughs> wonderful to watch. Anyway, happy birthday, Bob. 50 and looking good. Well done. Mm. Um, we got some games coming up. Uh, West Ham away. We're going to rotate again, aren't we, Amy? I mean, I mean, you can imagine quite a few of the players who finished that game, or some of the players certainly who finished that game at the weekend, starting on Tuesday. Because after that, we got Newcastle United away on Saturday afternoon. Now we've got a big, big week coming up, so I don't think that there'll be risks when you've got Newcastle and the Champions League in quick succession following on from this. However, I, I still think. Mikel will go relatively strong. I think he's he doesn't want to throw anything. So no, some good things out of this competition. If yeah. we can get through this round, yeah. there's we could you know because there's a lot of championship clubs left in it. We're quite close to Wembley if we if we get through this tie. I've written down the team, um, and it contains I would say three maybe four players that might play at Newcastle. So maybe that's the level of rotation. So I've got Ramsdale. I've actually gone for Tommy at right back and White at centre back, just because I want to see him in the middle of the three when we're playing out from the back. That might be quite interesting. So Tommy White, Kivior and Zinchenko, Jorginho, Smith-Rowe and Vieira, Nelson, Trossard up front with Martinelli. I I think I would like to see that team. And uh, Part of my thinking with Martinelli is I want to see Trossard and Martinelli together again. Do you remember Leicester away last year and a few of the other games? I think the Fulham one where he got a hat-trick of assists. Trossard was the striker and Martinelli was the left winger. And I loved the way that they yeah, sort of flip Yeah, it was great. And I asked him about that in this interview that I did with him in the week. He sort of, yeah, he, yeah, he was... I think he seemed quite keen to renew that acquaintance, if you know what I mean. So, um, so yeah, that's that's the kind of level team that I'd go for, but I'd be interested to see what Mikel does. 
I think it's very possible it might be 11 different players <laughs> as well, <laughs> which is really nice to have that option, isn't it? Let's be fair. Uh, very good times at the moment. Um, let's have a song before we go. Uh, Amy, what have you got for us? Well, uh, because we've done Japanese exports and I uh, expressed my love for Ruichi Sakamoto, I'm going to go for my favourite of his, which is a song called Diabaram with a guest vocal from Yusundor and it is one of the most be- beautiful pieces of music I've ever heard in my life. Yabaram, 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 yabaram Nena dukopayi Tarunayi Tarunayi Momlebinu Adrian? Fantastic. Yeah, well, just in homage to Eddie. It's an obvious choice, but I like the song from back in the day. De La Soul, Three is a Magic Number. like this on too. I've gone for uh, Turning Japanese by The Vapors. Because I always loved. <laughs> hey, listen, I'm a, I'm a child of the punk era. Love that and song. It's a great song. And you, you have to pogo to it. You can't listen to it without pogoing. I don't think. I think it's against the law to listen to it. And not oh, you pogo. can't. And it's great. I saw them opening for the Jam a couple of times, and I absolutely loved them. Uh, anyway, that has been Handbreak Off, the Arsenal podcast, brought to you by the Athletics. Thanks to Amy Lawrence. Thanks to Adrian Clark, and thanks to Jay, our producer. And thank you for listening. We'll speak to you later in the week. Ta-da! Thank you.